I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey there, a new week and a new episode of A Call Away. I'm Adam Giardino, radio broadcaster for the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees. And boy, the Rail Riders are... In the thick of it in August, they've got about a five-game lead in the division as we record this, getting set to make their playoff push. But the team's been hitting some muddy waters of late, so we'll get into some of the highlights over the last week, and then we'll get you caught up to speed. We've got a few good conversations for you. We've got, first of all, Brady Lale, somebody that made his New York Yankees and big league debut just the last couple of days, and somebody who's has such a great story to him the former 18th round pick of the Yankees. He had a strong commitment to the University of Arizona. A starting pitcher made his AAA debut at 21. This was part of his fifth season spending time with Scranton Wilkesbury. And the opportunity, albeit ill-gotten because of so many injuries for the New York Yankees, was so exciting for anyone who's been around Brady the last few years at any point in his career. Such a great person. And now the opportunity to be up in the big leagues helping New York and forever long or short that opportunity is. We've got a conversation with Brady from a few weeks back talking about his offseason and talking about the start of his season this year and what a revelation it has been for him coming back from an injury, right shoulder injury, pitching shoulder injury, and working with the Trenton Thunder, their pitching coach, Tim Norton, down in AA, able to add a slider to the repertoire, able to just become a more polished relief pitcher. And as it turns out, after starting his season in AA, making that quick jump to AAA, now all of a sudden he's up in the big leagues and throwing a few innings for New York the other day against Baltimore. So he's one of the conversations. We've also got a chat with Brian Keller, who a couple starts back, threw a no-hitter over seven innings for Double A Trenton. He looked great in his Triple A debut, in which Keller went seven innings, two runs, managed the game really well, gave up a two-run home run, but that was truly the one mistake on three hits over seven innings of work. And then we've got J.D. Klosser. He's the Yankees' catching coordinator and was in town with the Rail Riders last week when Gary Sanchez was rehabbing. He's got some thoughts on just about every catcher I threw at him up and down the system. This is not going to be a AAA-only catcher conversation with J.D. Klosser. He talks about everybody from Anthony Siegler, first-round pick last year by the Yankees. He's down in Charleston alongside Josh Bro, the second-round pick of the Yankees last year. He touches on a lot of guys up and down the chain, and guys the Yankee fans can certainly get excited about and familiar with, even though they still might be a couple of years down the pike. And then at the tail end of it all, as always, we have our report from up and down the system from single-A Charleston, high-A Tampa, double-A Trenton, and right here with our very own Adam Marco. Adam Marco is not on this current road trip. Charlotte, Gwinnett, we're on the road for a week, and I'm doing it solo. So as a result, no broadcast banter on this week of A Call Away. But he'll rejoin the fray next week when we're back at home. We've got a four-game set Monday through Thursday, and next time we check in with you, we will have Adam in for that part of the podcast. So let's take a look at what happened last week for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. I mentioned we're on the road down in Charlotte and Gwinnett, and... 
Last week, it was six games at home against Charlotte and Gwinnett. And it began Tuesday night when the Rail Riders ultimately fell to the Charlotte Knights, ultimately getting swept by the Charlotte Knights. But before we knew any of that, we knew that the Rail Riders had fallen behind early. It was a one nothing deficit in the bottom of the third inning and upstepped Clint Frazier. The 3-2 pitch, the swing and a line drive, hooked down to the pole in left field. This one's a laser. It's off the pole and gone. Oh, that is a missile by Clint Frazier to tie this thing up in the bottom of the third. So that tied the game, and the Rail Riders would hit solo home runs in the bottom of the fourth. Trey Ambergy, bottom of the seventh. Wendell Riho. The homer by Riho in the bottom of the seventh gave the Rail Riders a 3-2 lead, but then Charlotte scored a run top eight, and they scored twice in the top of the tenth inning. So in extra inning, Charlotte won 5-3 over the Rail Riders. Next day was a 12-2 defeat at the hands of Charlotte. And so on Thursday, the Rail Riders were looking to avoid a sweep. And things started out pretty well for Scranton Wilkesbury. Leadoff walk to Clint Frazier. Second man up was Gary Sanchez. He walked. There were two on. There was nobody out. And the third man of the game was Tyro Estrada. The 3-0 to Tyro. Crushed towards left field. If it stays fair, it's gone. It is a fair ball and out of here. Three-run blast for Tyro Estrada. Tucks it inside the foul pole, skips it off the stairs at the end of the Coast Pavilion. And the Rail Riders have a 3-0 lead, three batters in. Three batters in, that's about as good as you can hope for for Scranton Wilkes-Barre, a 3-0 lead. They grew it to 4-0, but Charlotte meticulously rallied two in the third, two in the eighth, three in the ninth, and Charlotte walked away with a 7-4 victory on Thursday. So after getting swept by Charlotte, the Rail Riders welcomed the Gwinnett Stripers to town, the Atlanta Braves AAA affiliate, and Gwinnett took the opener 10-2. But the following day, the Rail Riders were able to pencil in a victory. Though falling behind 1-0 in the top of the first inning to Gwinnett, the Rail Riders scored a run in the bottom of the third on an RBI ground up by Clint Frazier. The game was tied at 1 going to the bottom of the 7th inning. And after a leadoff double by Eric Kratz, he was the go-ahead run at second base for Ryan McBroom. The 3-2 to McBroom swinging a bouncer down to third base and it gets past Florimone. Down the line into the warning track it goes. Eric Kratz rounds third, he comes home. It's a double for Ryan McBroom. And the Rail Riders lead it 2-1 here in the bottom of the 7th. That made it 2-1. The Rail Riders would later score McBroom in the inning, making it 3-1 in a 3-1 victory. But the next day, Gwinnett returned the favor, a 3-1 loss at the hands of the Stripers. So the Rail Riders fell in five of six games at home last week to Charlotte and Gwinnett. As mentioned at the outset of the podcast, our first guest here on A Call Away this week is Brady Lale. This is a conversation that happened with Brady when the team was back out in Columbus towards the end of July. It was when Brady had first really joined the Rail Riders this season. He had struggled through injuries in spring training. He had worked his way back through April and into May. And by the end of May, Brady was back at full strength pitching for the Trenton Thunder. Made 12 appearances for Trenton before joining the Rail Riders in earnest. And that's where we begin with Brady. Really, how is he feeling and what has been going on with him over the first chunk of 2019? You know, everything's been going well. Um, you know, me and Nordy, the pitching coach down there, we've been, uh, we figured a lot out with what, uh, what I was doing and um, on all my pitches. And, and uh, you know, and I was down there, I was throwing on a consistent basis. So I was get, definitely getting my work in because, uh, 
I kind of shot myself in the foot by getting hurt earlier this spring, and um, so it was just that rebuilding, but like getting those reps in and trying to uh, to manage a game a little bit better. What was the injury that set you back to start this year? I had a grade one subscap strain, so nothing nothing crazy, but uh, for me it was it was something big because uh, I've never had really an arm issue, so it was something uh, new in my career that I needed to work through, and um, and uh, you know it, it could be a blessing in disguise. Brady Lill, our guest here on the pregame show. How does the stuff feel, velocity, just confidence with everything coming off of that injury? Yeah, no, my confidence is is probably better than it has been in a long time. You know, um, I feel like I can command four pitches now and, and um, really really stand on the mound confident, more like more confidently. But like... Um, all four pitches are feeling great. Velocity is a little bit higher than I, I've, I'm used to, so that's kind of a surprise to me. But, um, you know, I'm still working with two different breaking balls and, and a changeup that's been uh, uh, my, I call it my get-out-of-jail-free card, just uh, something that I always have in my back pocket. So, um, But like I said, keep throwing those four pitches and um, keeping that confidence where it needs to be is, uh, is huge for me. So I've asked you three baseball-related questions, and that's more than I wanted to. Your off-season was pretty exciting. You've got a new addition to the Lale family. How did you get to spend your off-season? Oh, my off-season was crazy. You know, we uh, we were blessed to have a little one, Olivia Joe, and um, you know, I got engaged with my be- beautiful fiance and uh, Caitlin, and um, you know, we're enjoying the life. And uh, you know, back to the baseball stuff, but they've been helping me through this. You know, it's uh, um, I'm not pitching for me anymore. I'm pitching for my family and uh, to make Olivia proud of it. Of her dad, and um, you know, so it's a breath of fresh air when I walk off the field and I can see my beautiful baby and and my fiance, and know that uh, um, there's more to it than a game. You know, so uh, I'm excited for it and uh, working my butt off and uh, trying to support my family. What's her personality like? Uh, <laughs> I know she's got her looks from her mom because she's beautiful, but she's definitely got the personality like her dad. She's a little crazy, and um, right now she's at that, that mode that we can't take our eyes away from her because she'll be rolling down the stairs here quick or falling off bed. So, um, but she's growing up, and she's beautiful as ever, and uh, I'm truly blessed. Brady Lale, our guest here on the pregame show, and as we talk about your offseason, that makes your bouncing from level to level this season a little bit more I guess weighing on you I'm sure that every time you get called up or, or transferred to a different level there's that extra layer now that you've got to worry about so how has that part been to deal with uh it's been something new you know we've been taking on these challenges of uh you know starting in uh, extended because I got hurt to uh, going up to Scranton back down to Trenton um but they've been so supportive with it and uh Olivia's just getting used to living out of hotel rooms you know <laughs> so uh, uh but they've been so supportive right now they're back home and um so this transition was pretty easy and uh we're just excited to keep the ball rolling here this year and and stay healthy and have them out here pretty soon and the last question i'll ask you i think i already know the answer to this but um how much video game time do you get now that you're a father (laughs) oh oh man Uh, not as much as i want to i'll tell you that uh anytime i put her to sleep i'm trying to plug my playstation in and play and then she's starting to cry again so uh (laughs) i try to get it in when i can right now when she's home i'm gaming until until i can't anymore but when she's back it's minimum so (laughs) still trying to do it it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Big thanks to Brady for being our guest on the first segment of A Call Away. We welcome you into the second segment of A Call Away. And it's Brian Keller, right-hander for Scranton Wilkes-Barre, 25-year-old from Milwaukee, pitched at University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and a 39th-round pick by the Yankees in 2016. So by many accounts, you would describe that as being an afterthought. And yet at the age of 25, freshly turned 25-year-old, Brian Keller is here in AAA. He spent all of last year with the Trenton Thunder. He himself was set back at the start of the year due to injury. And so for Brian Keller, after just seven starts in AA, the seventh and final start that he made was a no-hitter. Seven-inning no-hitter against the Altoona Curve, in which he walked one batter. So just one true mistake for Keller in that outing. He gets the bump up to AAA, and we caught up with him before his first AAA start. Now, Keller went on to pitch extraordinarily well in that start for scranton Wilkesbury. He got the no decision as the Rail Riders fell late, but it was seven innings, three hits, two runs, both earned, and three strikeouts on 100 pitches for Keller. So he was great, and this conversation comes just before that start when catching up with him, we wanted to know, first of all, how was it that he found out he was coming to AAA, and what was that crazy travel schedule like? I found out on, let's see, it was Tuesday night. I was scheduled scheduled to pitch the next day. Um, we had a day game on Wednesday. Um, Oz told me after the game on Tuesday that I was coming up here, mm-hmm. and uh, I was excited. Yeah, I was going to say, I know it's been kind of a long road for you this season, a little bit of a delayed start because of an injury, but obviously seems like feeling good now. How do you feel after kind of that first start under your belt the other day? I feel good. Um, wasn't my best start, but, uh, you know, got through it, got through seven innings. Um, so it was solid, and uh, looking forward to the rest of the season. Seven innings, three hits, two runs. You say that wasn't your best start. What is it for you that, that maybe makes that not what you had hoped? Um, a lot of walks. I mean, four walks, that's uh, way above average for me. So, uh, And then a hit-by-pitch also. So um, free base runners for them. Luckily, I got out of it um, for the most part, other than the two-run bomb. But um, for the most part, got through it. We're here with Brian Keller, Rail Riders pitcher. Made his AAA debut earlier in the week against the Charlotte Knights. For fans who maybe didn't see that game or don't know much about you, how would you describe what you're like on the mound? Give us the, the Brian Keller scouting report. Okay, um, I'm going to come at you with four pitches. I throw a fastball, cutter, changeup, and curveball. Um, I'm a big strike thrower. I like uh, filling up the zone and getting guys out as, as soon as possible, getting weak contact, and then when I get a chance to, put them away with a strikeout. And when you kind of do that, who have been maybe some of the guys who have helped you out throughout your professional career in, in developing into that pitcher you are now? Um, a lot of guys between the pitching coordinators and then I've been with Tim Norton for the past two years. Um, and everybody's been a huge help in kind of uh, getting my consistency there a little bit. Um, you know, making sure all my pitches are sharp, you know, getting better each, each night out and uh, overall improving as the years go on. We're here with Brian Keller on the pregame show. We've asked almost everyone who's come up from double-A at some point this year as a pitcher about the differences in the baseball. For you, what it, what was kind of your impressions of that the other night? Um, you know, it, it wasn't too much different from what I'm used to down in, in Trenton. Um, I think uh, the strike zone was a little tight. I don't know if that was just an individual umpire or if that's how it's going to be, but 
Um, that's something that uh, I'll get used to, and um, I, just, I won't nibble as much and just get it over the plate, get them out. You were taken in the 39th round of the draft a couple of years ago. If you could go back and give yourself some advice when you were first starting out your professional career, what would it be now a couple of years down the road? Um, I don't, well, I'll say this. Um, some advice that I got when I got drafted was um, basically your draft um, position. Where you were drafted really doesn't matter. Um, all you, all you got to do is get your foot in the door and then perform, and uh, the rest will play out. And that's pretty much how it's been. And, uh, you know, I've, I've moved through the system a little bit, and um, it's been fun. Who have been the biggest influences on you, both in baseball and in life in general? Um, well, my, my dad is definitely my biggest fan. Um, he's, always, he's always pushing me, and um, as a kid, he was always pushing me, and um, he made it fun, too. So... Um, that's that's really where I learned the game from. And uh, yeah, over the years, all the different coaches I've had, um, college and pro ball, um, I don't know, it's been great. And just kind of one last one here. Obviously, over your last couple outings of the season here with the Rail Riders, what are you looking at improving on and, and kind of over these last few weeks just refining within your game? Um, I think uh, making sure I'm focused on every pitch and – getting the most out of what I can do um not trying to do too much but really um you know making the best of what I have and making it useful um in every game every pitch I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here as in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Back inside a call away. Adam Jardino with you. Thanks to Brian Keller for joining us. Brady Lale, Brian Keller, and now our third guest here on the show this week is Yankees catching coordinator J.D. Klosser. He was in town alongside Gary Sanchez making a rehab appearance over a couple of days with the Rail Riders just to make sure everything was going okay for Gary and things seemed to be going all right. He made two appearances with the Rail Riders and then immediately went up to New York. So that's where we begin, though it is a wide-ranging conversation with Kloss talking about almost every single catcher that's in the New York Yankees organization. But based on what we saw out of Gary after the first game in which he caught seven innings, what did that look like to J.D.? Uh, well, I think first and foremost, the fact that he was healthy. You know, that's the biggest thing when, when these guys go on rehab assignments is just to make sure that they're healthy and that they are able to go through the entire time that they're supposed to be out there and not have any issues. Uh, I think early on he, would th- he was trying to catch up a little bit to the game speed in those first couple innings, but I think as the game went on, he got much more comfortable and got to where he was moving around a little bit better. It was encouraging to see him try to beat that ball out to second base. That Wade had chopped up the middle and have to really kind of get after it a little bit, and he 
came out of the game healthy, so I would say it was a big success last night for him. The injury that he's here trying to recover from is a groin injury, and it seems like that's popped up occasionally for him as a former catcher yourself. A lot of years crouching behind home plate. I don't know if you've ever had that groin pull, but what is it like trying to catch if that's not 100%? Personally, I've never experienced it, but I would imagine that it's really difficult with the lateral movements and things that you have to do when you're blocking behind the plate, not being able to really push off with one leg or the other because you've got something jumping up and biting you right there uh, would make it really difficult. So I think that that's kind of a delicate area in the catching in the catching world. Anything that has to do with your legs makes it kind of difficult because we're one of the few positions where we're you know, pushing ourselves on our lower half all the time. So the legs are very, very important back there. J.D. Klosser, catching coordinator for the New York Yankees in town and our guest here on the pregame show. Eric Kratz seems to be like a unicorn. He's a 39-year-old, and he just keeps year after year popping up, and he seems as young as ever. What is it? What is your impression of a guy who's 39 and still doing what he's doing? I think it's amazing. I mean, shoot, he's six months younger than I am, and he's still able to play at a you know perform at a high level. I think one of the the biggest attributes that Eric has is that he takes care of himself really, really well. If you're here early and you see him, he's in the weight room getting himself rolled out and doing the things that's necessary, and he's got a really, really solid routine to lock himself in every day to give himself the ability to do that, like you said, at the uh, young age of 39. One of the other names for the Rail Riders that's been poking around this year is Kyle Higashioka. As we talk, he's coming off a two-home run game up in the big leagues. For him, I'm sure he's aware that Gary Sanchez and Austin Romine are the two big league catchers. What does it speak to that he's able to go up there in a pinch in a moment's notice and, and be able to perform offensively and defensively as he has? Well, I think first it just it just shows the work that he's done down here to stay ready and be ready to go up there when he's called upon. And I think as you see and you watch him play, every time he goes back up there, he seems to become a little bit more and more comfortable and things start trying to start slowing down for him a little bit. Uh, you know, last year when he got a significant amount of time when Gary went down, you could kind of see him spinning and then he went up early this year and he was able to kind of slow the game down down and get back to where he needed to be and this time he's been really really well kind of switching back and forth with row quite a bit so I think the more you get up there and the more you realize that you know what I can do this I think that it starts to work out well and then when he's down here he just takes care of business that's just all you can do you can't control what's going on above you you just have to go out there and play and do what you can do and then when you're called upon go up and do your job and he's done a really really nice job of that. We talk about the different levels of the system pretty frequently on the broadcast, and one of the names that keeps popping up, Anthony Siegler, first-round pick. I'm sure Yankee fans are excited for him to eventually be in that discussion a few more years down the road, but he's a 20-year-old, a switch hitter, a switch thrower. What should they, Yankee fans specifically be excited about with him? Well, I think Anthony is, yeah, he's a smaller guy, but he's super athletic behind the plate. He's got really good flexibility, and he moves well behind the plate. He has been paired with one of the hardest-throwing staffs we have in our system down there with three or four guys they've, that have moved a little bit now, but we've got three or four guys that he was catching on a, you know, on a regular rot- rotation that were throwing 97, 98 miles an hour with not what you would call elite command. So he has the ability to really move well behind the plate, and his hands are good. You know, he's got a, he's got a good arm and he's just working to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, uh, just letting his athleticism play back there a little bit and just getting in the game and playing. This is his first full professional season, so it's a lot of learning that goes on.
And we'll leave with this. I've asked specifically about a lot of different names, and I know there are other names in the system. Pick out a guy that you want to talk about, whether it's Jason Lopez, Kellen Deglin, somebody else that I haven't specifically asked about that you think we should uh, we should be talking about as a guy who's made some pretty good improvements this year. Well, I think you you nailed a couple of guys right there. Uh, you know, Deggs started the year here in a in a in a tough situation. We loved what he's the work he's done coming back from the arm surgery a couple years ago, and he started the year here kind of helping us out and working on some things, and then. And he got activated and got sent to Trenton and scuffled a little bit early, but he's really done a nice job of getting himself ready, and he's playing quite a bit down there, and he's really helped that team not only behind the plate but swinging the bat pretty well. Um, Lopey has – you know, he hasn't – it's been a rough year offensively for him, but he's made some strides uh, defensively. He's an elite thrower, moves well to block. He's catching the ball a lot better. And then um, I think one last guy was our second-round pick from last year, Josh Bro, who's been out a good portion of the year with some arm issues. But, I mean, that's another exciting guy that's big frame, strong guy, big power, really good arm that's uh, really kind of working his way through this, and hopefully he'll be back on the field soon to help us out. Big thanks to J.D. for being our guest, third and final guest here on A Call Away. And as always, the last order of business on the podcast is to get you the minor league report from single-A Charleston with Matt Dean to high-A Tampa with Nick Flamia, double-A Trenton with John Moses, and our very own Adam Marco polishing it off here in triple-A. So without further ado, Matt Dean, take it away. With this look at the Charleston River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. After a wild three straight wins in Hickory, the River Dogs head into play Sunday. Winners of 10 of their last 12 and within three games of the second half division race. On Thursday night, Charleston leaned on pitching and defense to hang on in a 3-1 win led by Josh Stowers' tremendous defensive game. The University of Louisville product laid out for four great catches, including robbing a first-inning home run and diving into the extended netting and right field to bounce back into the field to play. Definitely probably one of the better games of my career, um, especially defensive wise. Um, you know, sometimes you don't even get the chance to make, you know, those four plays I made throughout the whole year, uh, you know, get alone in one game. So being able to make those plays just kind of like gives you confidence uh, offensive wise. I've always uh, prided myself on just being able to uh, make plays defensively, even if I'm not hitting. After Thursday's tremendous win, the River Dogs rolled the long ball to victory the next two nights. Here's the 3-2. Lockridge goes, swinging a high, towering drive to right center field. Back is Aparicio, leaps at the wall, and it's gone. Caden Smith with a two-run go-ahead blast. Sneaks it over Aparicio's glove. His ninth home run of the season ties it and gives the Dogs the lead. Wagaman sitting on five on the year, swings away, drives it out to deep left field, staying to the right of the pole. That one's gone. Big fly by Eric Wagaman. Puts the dogs on the board in the second, gives them the lead for the first time in the eighth. And after starting the year 3-39 and when trailing after seven innings this year, the River Dogs have three such wins in the last six days. With this look at the Charleston River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. With the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. After winning five straight road games to move into first place in the second half standings, the Tarpons have since lost four in a row to fall one game back of Nuneaton. 
24 games remain on the regular season schedule, and the race for the final North Division playoff spot is tight, with Tampa, Lakeland, and Clearwater all within two and a half games back of the Blue Jays. Several Tarpon hitters have sparked since the calendar turned to August, including catcher Donnie Sands. On Thursday, the 23-year-old clubbed his first home run since April, and entering today is hitting 333 over his last 10 games. Sands was quick to credit hitting coach Joe Migliaccio for his recent success. Yeah, it has been a very long time since our first homer, but uh, just working with our hitting coach, Joe, um, we worked a lot on, I kind of went through a swing change, complete swing change. It was, to be exact, June 12th. That's when the process started and just working on like strike zone discipline and hitting the right pitches and not beating so many pitches right into the ground, pitches I shouldn't be missing. So, I mean, working with him. The additions of right-handers Luis Heal and Alexander Vizcaino have enhanced an already impressive list of starting pitchers here in Tampa. I asked Donnie about his perspective on the newly revamped rotation. Well, since we don't, I, I think we don't have a starter that throws under 95 now. I mean, it's been really impressive since they're all super young and they all throw 100 miles an hour with unbelievable stuff. So it's been, I mean, all of them, it's been unbelievable to be able to catch and watch. Coming off a career-best seven scoreless innings and a win at Lakeland on Monday with the Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. This week, the Thunder earned back-to-back -back series victories over Bowie and Harrisburg, going 4-1 against a couple of the top teams in the Western Division. Right-hander Nick Nelson turned in another brilliant outing on Wednesday night, striking out 11 over six and one-third scoreless innings. The outing matched a season high in strikeouts, and Nelson has grown into an ace on the Thunder's staff. Over his last seven appearances, including six starts, Nelson has pitched to a .96 earned run average with 51 strikeouts in 37 and two-third innings, and held Eastern League opponents to a 129 batting average against. Manager Patrick Osborne reflected on the right-hander's season earlier this week. Yeah, he's really taking some steps forward. Uh, he's starting to turn into the starting pitcher that a lot of us believe he can be, and that's kind of a frontline type guy with dominant stuff. Uh, I think he still can clean up some of the walks. I think that's going to be kind of his next hurdle, and once he does that, this kid's going to be close to being a major league starting pitcher. So uh, it's trending in the right direction. I've told people that if we had, if we were to start the playoffs today or tomorrow, he'd he'd probably be our choice to to go game one. You know, he's been dominant with the Thunder. I'm John Moses. With Scranton Wilkesbury, I'm Adam Marco. 22 games left in the 2019 season. The Rail Riders remain a first place club. Over the course of what can be a very long season, a variety of roving instructors and coordinators make their way to each and every one of these ballparks. This past week, catching coordinator J.D. Klosser was in music. The Rail Riders have used a few catchers this season, the current contingent being Eric Kratz and Francisco Arcia. Kratz, a 39-year-old, began 2018 with Scranton Wilkesbury, traded to the Brewers to acquire Wendell Riho, resigned with the organization when Ryan Lavarnway went on the injured list a couple of months ago. I think it's amazing. I mean, shoot, he's six months younger than I am, and he's still able to play at a you know perform at a high level. I think one of the the biggest attributes that Eric has is that he takes care of himself really, really well. If you're here early and you see him, he's in the weight room getting himself rolled out and doing the things that's necessary, and he's got a really, really solid routine to lock himself in every day to give himself the ability to do that. Like you said, at the uh, young age of 39. Scranton Wilkesbury soon to get back. Kyle Higashioka optioned out by the Yankees on Saturday 
day when Gary Sanchez was activated from the injured list. Klosser, thrilled in the impact Higashioka has made within the organization this year. I think the more you get up there and the more you realize that, you know what, I can do this. I think that it starts to work out well. And then when he's down here, he just takes care of business. That's just all you can do. You can't control what's going on above you. You just have to go out there and play and do what you can do. And then when you're called upon, go up and do your job. And he's done a really, really nice job of that. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Big thanks to those guys for getting the reports into us this week. And thanks to you yet again for making a call away part of your week. Rail Riders Baseball comes at you every night on the Rail Riders Radio Network, the TuneIn Radio app, and on the MILB First Pitch app as well. Pre-game coverage begins 30 minutes before first pitch. And yeah, as you're listening to this, every day between now and Labor Day, Rail Riders with 21 games over 21 days, you've got some Rail Riders Baseball at your fingertips, should you so choose. I'm Adam Giardino. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at... Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O. Thanks for listening, and if we don't talk to you on a broadcast this week, we will talk to you again next week on A Call Away.